0: need to peruse dick. My name is Matthew Kroll. And with those dark circles around
1: your eyes you look like an anorexic panda. My name is Shahir Dowd.
0: And this is the only podcast about movies specifically the film The King of Staten Island.
1: Who is the queen of Staten Island? Just out of
0: curiosity. Uh you know that's a great question. I, I, is it Carly Aquilina? I don't think Carly's from Staten Island. Staten. Okay, I didn't know. <laughs> Maybe she is. I don't know. We never talked about it. Hi, everyone. How How's everybody doing? Uh, how are you talking you to me specifically
1: here? or just uh, into the ether?
0: I was saying into the ether. Now this is the time, audience, when you answer. Yep. No. Go, oh, here. great. Hold for applause. Great. Or that's too bad, depending on a lot of things. Um, how are you, Shahir?
1: I am very well, thank you. I really enjoyed the fact that right before we started this episode, you you uttered the phrase that I think I will use as a catchphrase from now, which is, fuck it, I'm getting a white claw.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Ready? <laughs> and here we go. Three, two, one. Ah, there's this no loss with the claws. This is not in any way sponsored by white claws. I am, I am a quarantine basic bee. There is no, there's no, listen, white claws are delicious. I, if they'd like to sponsor us, great. <laughs> um, they have but been—they're you know, sponsoring my liver right now.
1: <laughs> you know it's funny because I, uh, you know, I don't drink very much, but but quarantining is the uh, is the worst for my wife because she has no drinking buddy. Um, oh God, and, yeah, she. Oh no, yeah, and like every week, like our fresh direct order has like a bunch of wine and stuff, and she's always trying to get things that she thinks I will like, but it's just like there's a fundamental taste test when it comes to alcohol that. Is a threshold I can't get over. Sure. Um, so uh, right now, they're, our our fridge is stacked with all sorts of um, I'm sure delicious elixirs uh, that I have not neither the palate nor the inclination to try, uh, I, and it is making my wife very sad.
0: Here's a question for you. I, I know I, this is probably the dumb question after what you just said, but if you ever liked a gin?
1: Not really, no. Okay. Gin is Jen is, yeah, because uh, I think it's uh, Nigel uh, Stanford who's been on the show. He's a big fan of gin and tonics. Okay, yeah, and yeah. He's always trying to get into, he's always getting, what is it with all my friends trying to get me drunk or trying to get me to drink?
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I, I feel like, weirdly enough, I don't, I think I haven't really, other than like maybe at a Halloween party, tried to get you to drink. I think uh, it, it, getting trying to get people to drink it's a <laughs> weird thing. Uh, you know, right. it feels like a very young thing. Um, I think it's more of like uh, uh, trying to sit around and have camaraderie, which you can do many other ways, and, and <laughs> please do so. Uh, I was going to say, if you or the misses was interested in gin, Jamie and I discovered this amazing gin called Empress. Okay. It's purple, and it Heck. has like it, – it, it's it's – it's lovely. It's delightful, <laughs> and I want to drink it all the time. Uh, it looks like a potion. When you said elixir, it instantly clicked in my brain. Okay. Um, but enough There is about... a gin
1: in our freezer right now that I've got to try, I guess, supposedly. The only reason I want to try it because, because it seems very cold. Um, but...
0: That's half the reason I like White Claws. The other half <laughs> is uh, I'll get drunk. Um, but but <laughs> speaking of substance abuse... <laughs> what? I don't know. This is... Um, this movie has people drinking and smoking in it. I don't know. I was trying to bring it back, bring it back to this, uh, even though we do have a few emails, uh, this, e-mails week. Yeah. this week. Emails coming in this week. Emails.
1: As always, you can uh, email us in at onlymoviepodcast at or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod, as did Jacob, to help try and assist with the Kroll Tenant Hype Project, the KTHP. What? <laughs> this was this was your call last week asking about uh whether uh, anyone can call uh anyone can email in to uh, to help you get hyped oh i love that tenets. jacob
0: i love that jacob uh like gave it a moniker
1: yeah, the KTHP. Yeah. So, on the KTHP, I have a bit more to say. Uh, I generally uh, watch movie trailers, but I have been inspired by Shahir's bold tales of avoiding them. Wow. So, now when I have a reason to believe I will see a movie irrespective of, of its trailer, I close my eyes and plug-wiggle my ears until it's oh, I like that phrase, plug-wiggle. Uh, <laughs> and thus, after seeing a few frames of the Syncope, uh, syncope logo, i always going to struggle with that syncope? word. Syncope? Uh, yeah, that's uh, uh, Christopher Nolan's company yeah. logo. Uh, my eyes shut... Like they have never before. Almost entering a dream state, I'm sure. That was just me ad-libbing, by the way. Nolan is a creator who helped guide my understanding of what movies could be. His first, He first took my hand with Batman Begins, twisted my brain with the Prestige, showed me how you can make a movie around a mechanic with memento, and teared me up with theme over in Interstellar. <laughs> I don't care if it's four-quadrant filmmaking. I don't care if it's a blockbuster. I care about the journey of this filmmaker has planned for me, and I know I won't be disappointed. Get hyped, Mr. Kroll. All right, Get hyped. Listen, listen,
0: if you're trying to get me excited about a Christopher Nolan movie, that is things like that is the way to do it. Tug mm-hmm. at my nostalgia factor of all of those great films you mentioned. Also, really do lean into the fact that it's the psyched for the film as opposed to like the filmmaker. If that makes sense, uh, not that, again. That's exactly what he said. He said
1: I. He, he said I was psyched for the the journey this filmmaker has planned for me.
0: The filmmaker has planned for me, but it's the journey. He's psyched for the journey that the filmmaker has planned for him, not right. that he's psyched that the filmmaker planned a journey.
1: Wait, right, but he's not. He but he's saying that he's not He, he doesn't know anything about the film. No, 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 he's no. Psyched no but he's psyched for the he's filmmaker. Trusting,
0: he's trusting in mm. Christopher. He's not excited about Christopher Nolan. He's excited about the journey Christopher Nolan's going to take him on because no, he doesn't know about I, it. I, I, I Jacob, mean, I I'm just... putting words in your mouth. I'm so sorry. Maybe I'm reading this incredibly wrong. I'm saying <laughs> what you did is helping a little bit with the hype. The hype meter has moved from like a 3% to like a solid 7% now. So we need more. We need more. Right. If you'd like to be part of the Kroll Tenant Hype Project, uh, please email us in, onlymoviepodcast@gmail.com or tweet at us, OnlyMoviePod.
1: We should get T-shirts made that say KTHP crew. Yeah. Uh, You want to take the next one from Steven?
0: Yeah, I'll take this one from Mr. Steven. In response to our DeFive Bloods review, uh, please go listen to that. Although this is more about our continuing review of movie theaters versus home viewing experiences due to the pandemic. Uh, Steven says that uh, one of the issues with home viewing versus the movie theater experience is partway through a specific scene. I will not say so that we do not spoil the film. Uh, He says, I had to pause the movie and do something family related. (laughs)
1: How could you stop a movie? Monster. I don't care what's happening in your family.
0: Monster! When I came back, I looked at the character in a full heavy monologue and thought, I cannot be bothered with this. (laughs) I was still trying to work out the tone of the earlier combat scene. I mean, it wasn't realistic, a bunch of old actors shambling across low ground cover, but it wasn't fantasy-slash-exaggerated, i.e. how they might have remembered it. I was expecting them to be made clearer as the film went on, Uh, But at that point, after stopping, I just felt like there was too much of an effort to start again. Something that would not have happened in a theater without distractions. The movie would have a chance to keep me engaged. I will still go back and watch it at some point, but the whole experience has been dampened for me just because I paused at the wrong moment. That's uh, a shame because
1: actually the thing that he's talking about, we're being cleared up, is cleared up beautifully uh, by the end of the film. It is. Uh, uh, but- so so yes, you did potentially pause at the wrong moment, and uh, but but you know, like I don't, I'm not sure if this is just a case of yeah, of course, pausing at the wrong moment, which happens if you're at home, but it's sure. also a case of uh, not giving the movie kind of a shot to, to you know to to finish what it was trying to say. So. That's slightly different, I guess. Well, okay. Which, Of course, that wouldn't happen in a movie theater, but you can mo- walk out of a movie Hold theater on. as well.
0: No, 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 no. In this, Stephen, <laughs> oh. I terribly, I have to disagree with you, and I have to disagree with the end of what Shahir just said. Whoa! Distractions all right. happen all the fucking time at a movie theater. Now, do you get deposit? No, but do you have to deal with a yokel uh, snoring, breathing weird, screaming at the screen, having their kid have a meltdown? Like, it's consistently distracting in a lot of movie theaters. So uh while it is a different kind of distraction because you're you're taken out of the scene in one way like i.e. pausing a narrative and then coming back a little bit later after dealing with something that's a different experience than being distractive in, in something that is actively continuing. Um there you you can still be distracted and still be thrown out of a thing in a movie theater. Um well, I said that. That's what I said. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm I'm saying just the 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 how it wouldn't happen in a movie theater. I think it would, just not this specific yeah. thing.
1: Uh I also that, think I also think there's a there's a uh, a monetary investment that you make to going to the movies which means that you are more willing to not allow yourself to be distracted. Sure, cuz you paid but, for the experience.
0: But at the same time, it, it's interesting because yes, there that should be the unifying factor, right? Like mm. I paid this much money to go see this, therefore mm. Uh, I should. I'm going to pay attention, and everyone should be thinking that. But the problem is, not everyone thinks that. The, uh, for Damn some reason, movie people, like, people <laughs> like spending twenty dollars to go talk with their friends. <laughs> like, hey and
1: sometimes you just need that AC blast. You know what I'm saying?
0: <sighs> but anyway, regardless, Steven, the conversation. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you, Stephen. The conversation
1: about uh, the fact that none of us are going to movie theaters anytime soon. Of course, there was the uh, fantastic uh, flippity-flop that happened last week with AMC Movie Theaters who uh, decided they didn't want to get into a political conversation about masks by not enforcing a mask policy uh, (laughs) uh, on their clients upon reopening, only to have that backfire immediately uh, and uh, the next day uh, institute a full mask-going policy, which I think the flip flop is actually the 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 decision to say you don't you're not required to wear a mask upon reopening was confusing at best, you know, especially to to sort of couch it as being a political uh decision, which is the strangest thing that I have ever heard but then the the flip flop on that whole thing also demonstrates a little bit of a lack of political understanding, <laughs> you know it, it was it was a it was a wrong headed move. In you know, it was a landmine in one direction, and then stepped into a onto a a landmine in the other direction. Um, I mean, so
0: the truth of the matter is, is it a landmine in one of those directions?
1: No, the landmine would have been to say. Yes, we're gonna open theaters, which again I don't agree with, but, but you have to wear a mask. That's not a landmine. That's like not, a that's what I'm saying. Yeah, there's yeah, that's one a, landmine. That's a straightforward answer. Yeah, there's and one landmine be, and they
0: chose to step on it first. They,
1: they chose to step on the landmine, and then the fact that they chose to jump off the landmine the next day after they'd already stood on it, I think they jumped onto another landmine.
0: <laughs> I, I large chain movie theaters I think are dead. They might come back sometime, but I do not think I do, in the words of the Trade Federation, they will not survive this. Like oh boy. They, they will, like it's just not going to happen. Um, it's, but are we hoping
1: for General Grievous to to, to come back?
0: I mean, I, General Grievous. Here is one of the few things I kind of dug about the, the prequels <laughs> of that one. I mean, that scene. There is a shot. It's the only shot in Star Wars, maybe outside of Rogue One, that's scary, and that is when Grievous is walking, sort of like. Slowly speeding up toward Kenobi, spinning the four lightsabers, yeah, and they're yeah. grinding in the ground. <laughs> Holy shit, that's a cool shot! But you know what's not cool? Not wearing a what? mask, not uh,
1: wearing a mask is ridiculous. Y- and also, uh,
0: look, we're preaching New to York the City, choir here, too. I feel like. yeah, yeah,
1: preaching to the choir. But the fact is, New York City has is currently on the apparently, you know, sort of seemingly on the downward spiral of the uh, of the COVID vaccine, although that could entirely change at any moment. Yeah. But America. As a whole, is not. In fact, we are on the upward spiral. Today was the the highest case count uh, of any day since the pandemic began uh, across the entire United States. So uh, there, and I don't know if you've noticed this as well. There seems to be a lax attitude right now about wearing masks, about uh, congregate, you know, about avoiding social distancing. And I, for one, am just going to put on my tinfoil hat and say, "Fuck y'all," and stay away from me. You know, like I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm not fooling around with this. Um, People really have it- to
0: start not conflating freedom with selfishness. Yeah. It's, it's, if you are choosing to not wear a mask because you have a political agenda or you think you don't need it or, or, or any particular reason, it doesn't really matter. Uh, you're fucking selfish. That's, that's it. And sorry, not sorry. Uh, yeah. sorry there's what I'm sorry about we got off the topic of movie theaters <laughs> because
1: uh, because we're angry and we're stuck at home
0: damn it we, Yeah, and the longer we don't do shit to you know help yeah. society in general uh, which also would include trying to do things about racist inherent systems Black Lives Matter uh, th- <laughs> the longer we're going to be stuck both physically in our homes and, and uh, emotionally and mentally uh, elsewhere so um, I don't know the the, the theater chain the flip flop Shahir, here going back to it is fascinating. I have a theory, especially with a lot of things going on right now, with like um, even I, I, now we're really tangenting, and I promise I'll put it in the description when we start talking about the movie yeah. specifically. But Definitely. the 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 fireworks thing that's going on across the country. Uh, with all the Obviously, in, in major cities, if you haven't heard, I'm sure you have. There have been fireworks going on for a variety of <laughs> conspiratory reasons. Um, but Macy's this year uh, has decided to, rather than have one big fireworks show to make people not congregate, which is a good thing, they're just going <laughs> to randomly, without warning, launch various fireworks off around <laughs> the city and then film them and then air that on July 4th. <laughs> and and in the current climate of fireworks and what's sort of happening in this country, that's tone deaf as fuck. And it got me thinking, wow, maybe people that are hyper loaded, like to the point of billionaires, don't quite understand how the world works. <laughs> and that brings me back to someone being like it safe in there mr amc in his uh money mansion built out of movie tickets or whatever the board is like oh yeah people don't want to wear masks yeah you know what fuck it they could do whatever they want It's america and not or, i don't want to get political
1: about this but uh no also fireworks are the, like the last thing i want to be surprised by at any given moment so uh strange that this isn't there but you know what ifs um yeah. <laughs> it's the fourth of july what are you gonna do the Let's King, cancel that for this year. The, just cancel the Fourth of July. Just do yeah. it. What's
0: it, yeah. what's what's the harm?
1: <laughs> um, the King of Staten Island, Judd Apatow's latest film, featuring <laughs> one person that we both have worked with uh, in uh, years past. Two uh, people. Pete two people. Oh, and Carly Aquilina yep. as, as well, yeah. Uh, although I, I would say, uh, uh, unequivocally, you are closer to both of those people than I am. Uh, I've just kind of been peripherally uh, working with them. Uh, so tell us a little bit about... I guess maybe you're, first off, tell us what the movie's about, and then tell us about your relationship to Sid's stars of Sid movie.
0: A hundred percent. So, IODB has a nice long description. Uh, it, it, I think it was nice, if I remember correctly. It says, uh, Scott has been a case of arrested development since his firefighter dad died. He spent his days smoking weed and dreaming of being a tattoo artist until events forced him to grapple with his grief and take his first steps forward in life.
1: Is that the, is that the synopsis for Failure to Launch, that uh, Matthew McConaughey movie?
0: Well, I think we're learning <laughs> that Judd Apatow has a type. Um, yeah. We can get into that a little bit later, uh, but yeah. I, I so I brought this to you. I wanted to do this movie because uh, Pete Davidson, who I worked with uh, for two years across Guy Code, um, mm-hmm. and Carly. I saw Carly was in the in the thing too, which I worked with at uh, at Girl Code as well. Um, it's weird. Pete and I, when we work together. Like we definitely weren't like close, but we were like kind of like work buddies. Like I would be the one that's doing the interviews with him for Guy Code, and like we'd be trying to think of the funniest stuff, and it was very very enjoyable. And he was yeah. he was like seventeen or something when this yeah. was all happening. And I remember like uh, we went we did a paintball episode, yeah. and we went out, and like everyone was mad at like Pete and a couple of the younger guys because they weren't like paying attention or doing like safety stuff with the like it was just. It, it was and I remember thinking like, man, this is a kid. Like, we have a kid with us. Like, yeah. and, and then of course he blew up. Um, and s- straight up, he was always a funny dude on Guy Code, and I always liked our, our times and our interviews and, and, and whatnot. But uh it wasn't until I actually saw him do stand up mm-hmm. that I was like, holy shit. Like, this dude is a, is like uh an unequivocal talent when it comes to that art form. And and then when uh, see, uh, the like, the third season where he would have been back on guy code rolled around and he wasn't returning uh, any of the execs calls. <laughs> and we're like, <laughs> oh, when he got cast in SNL, that is exactly what he got cast in SNL. And it was just so funny because we were all like like I felt like a lot of people were a little bit shocked. But after seeing his set, I was just like. I'm not shocked at all. Like this, <laughs> if they're looking for stand-up talent, that's a real good, uh, fresh blood way to go. Right. Um, but Pete himself, and again, this is uh, going to be maybe slightly
1: awkward because we're talking about someone we, again, peripheral. In my case, peripheral. Yeah, and
0: and, and and straight up, uh, uh, just sort of to conclude my thing, we we are no longer close. We we texted uh, very briefly, and then it's funny. Even when I heard this movie was coming out, I hadn't spoken to Pete in maybe a year and some change. And uh, I I texted him and I was like, hey man, I I, I just saw the trailer. That's fucking great. Uh, I you know hope all's well, like whatever. And they're like, yeah, this is this isn't this isn't the number anymore. So he definitely changed his number,
1: <laughs> as I'm sure uh, was necessitated by the uh, influx of fame that yeah. has followed him his entire. Uh, for the last few years and uh, and definitely. And and I think one of the things that's been interesting about watching Pete Davidson's career is that the uh, personal and the public have kind of melded together in interesting ways. with him. I I think more so than in any Saturday Night Live cast member. I don't think there's any SNL member in the last couple of seasons that has had quite as high a profile as Pete Davidson. And I think most interestingly because of the relationship... He has with the public in terms of his comedy being a reflection of his inner life. Well, that um, and
0: dating Ariana Grande, well, the combination would be a hell of a drug.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that is a that is a factor, but but the. But I guess what what I mean by that is the the fallout of dating Ariana Grande is something that he seems to be doing in public, or at least uh, manifesting itself in public. You know, there's been interesting episodes of SNL where he hasn't appeared, and the speculation about why he hasn't appeared uh, has become part of it. My favorite character of his uh, is the the disaffected millennial that he plays on Saturday Night Live. There's a there's a series of sketches where he plays the victim in a horror movie or something like that, and he's just like, okay. You know, yeah. Someone calls and says like I'm gonna murder you and he's like okay right. <laughs> and uh, it's just it's really uh, on point. Um, he also did. Uh, he, there's a great sketch where he's. Uh, uh, I can't remember the the track that they're parroting, but he's uh, he's parroting the Tucci. Yeah. Uh, and he's. pretty, uh, I can't remember how it goes, but it's great. Uh, so definitely a talent. Um and. One, you know, like in the realm of the films that we've done, this would be the third in a triptych of films that we've done since quarantine, which I would call the the personal biopic. Um, and that is uh, Honey Boy, The Way Back, and now The King of Staten Island. Yep. And that is uh, films where the... The, you know, narrative fiction films where the central character is a thin veneer for the performer themselves. And the question that arose in both Honey Boy and The Way Back was is the catharsis that the characters, uh, that the actor is feeling for having performed this character, is that. Similarly felt by the audience themselves, right. and that was a question I, I arose in both those cases, which is, you know, again, Honey Boy and The Way Back, both two very, very good films, uh, but two films that I didn't feel resonated as strongly with me as an audience member as I think the act of making those films did uh, for those actors involved, and that's um, sure, um, you know, uh, Ben Affleck and um, Shia LaBeouf, Shia LaBeouf, Shia yeah, LaBeouf, yeah,
0: call him Shia,
1: <laughs> Shia. Shia LaBeouf. Um, so this, uh, and obviously, you know, the, the parallels to uh, Pete's life here, or, you know, Mr. Davidson's life again, I don't know the man, um, are the fact that his father uh, was a firefighter who died at a very uh, early age in Pete's life, uh, which is, again, reflected in the character here. Uh, and also uh, a, a kid growing up in Staten Island who's you know, dreams of making it elsewhere. That's about where the similarities end. Yes. Um. And the film kind of goes on a different tangent, um. But uh, one that I think is uh, is an interesting reflection both in terms of Judd Apatow's penchant for certain types of comedies, as you've already alluded to, um. But also, um. You know, again, this question of the personal versus the public, um. Especially when it comes to uh, someone who has a public persona as large as Pete Davidson. Yeah. yeah. So Matt, with that. What do you think of uh, The King of Staten Island?
0: So uh, it's hard for me to really separate. It's weird. Okay, so this is the first one of these sort of biopics that I've watched that I know the person and their story, like, due to talking to that person in real life. Right. Yeah. So it was a real weird watch. Um... <laughs> It was odd. And i I, I'm, I I tried very hard to sort of think through it and and try to not uh not sour my judgment of the film based on me liking the star personally. Okay. Uh I think this movie was fine. <laughs> so um, that was a, it was quite a build up to just fine well it. that's that's the thing like I, and don't get me wrong i actually quite enjoyed watching this movie i think pete did an awesome job i think everyone involved kind of did an awesome job um that something about it though and i i think it might have be a pacing issue and maybe we can sort of break that down as we get into it um because it is set and there's nothing wrong with this in a very um Mundane world. That's kind of the point. Like Staten Island is painted as like a place that like nothing happens in. <laughs> um, it does feel like it overstays its welcome. Um, I think this movie has a runtime of like two hours and twenty minutes. I yeah. could two be talking 14, out my ass. Uh, two hours. Uh, no, it's two hours.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a very specific reason why I know that.
0: Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> and like. I kind of guessed at the beats this movie would go to, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't anticipate it would take as long getting there. And now mm-hmm. I-, I was kind of expecting to... Actually, no, I wasn't. I don't know. I think because I knew it was going to be more of like a serious movie with comedic elements, I thought it would be tighter. Mm-hmm. Um, But it felt like there was a, just like a lot of... um. Similar scenes again and again. I think that's yeah. kind of what, I think this movie could have done, I think this movie would have been highly effective if 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 um, scenes that had some redundant tendencies or redundant things, especially in the first half, uh, were a little bit lighter. That said, I think uh, the thing things that I really liked about it was um, Pete and all of the other characters, like all of his friends, uh, yeah. I thought they, they felt like a real legit group, which is always nice to see. Um, mm. I think, um, Bell Belle Pauli, I believe her name yeah. is who plays, uh, Kelsey the, Kelsey, the, the, love interest, the sort of, uh, yeah. the, the childhood friend turned love interest, like who's not in the beginning, like in the beginning, just sort of, uh, being used, uh, as a sort of, I don't know, something to do almost. Uh, mm. I thought she did a very excellent job in her role. Uh, Marissa Tomei is great. Also, um uh why am i blanking on on firefighter bill guy
1: <laughs> bill burr yeah 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 well
0: wow. <laughs> there we go uh bill burr i thought was very very good like the perfect role also what a delight to see steve buscemi again <laughs> uh and of course steve buscemi uh a, a real world firefighter as well so it was nice to see him in in that role uh, and it made sense why he was sort of around um yeah, I, I, I feel like this was a movie overall that I was like, I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad I I, I bought it to watch uh, or rented it or whatever the on-demand model is right now. Um, because I, I really like what Pete does and I want to support it. And I think overall it's a well-made film. I just think it sort of lives in its, in, in its specific scenes too long. And I did feel like my enjoyment, I wouldn't have even questioned any enjoyment had it been uh, a bit shorter. Uh yeah, that's where I'm at. What about you, Sheer?
1: Yeah, so uh I think I'll take it from the point of view of of Judd Apatow's career a little bit, which is, you know, like his penchant for uh finding um the sort of uh pathos in comedy. Um has sort of been the 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 reason that has shot him to fame. You know, like Judd Apatow is kind of one of the premier uh American comedy filmmakers, you know, all the way from freaks and geeks to um um the 40 year old virgin um knocked up you know these are films and and i think one of the qualities of those films that has been really um that that apatow has really kind of exemplified is essentially making the hangout movie you know that's what um knocked up really is it's a great hangout movie i think the 40 year old virgin has a lot of that great quality as well i really liked this is 40 um and um funny people you know again these are generally They're not plot-heavy movies. They're hangout movies that happen to contain a little bit of plot. Yeah. And what's made that hangout sort of work is that they're populated by very, very funny characters. Um, Very funny, interesting side characters that all have, you know, funny inner lives. And that's why... I think that's why people like Apatow. You know, like, again, he is... He's basically the every SNL cast member's graduating class wants to move on to an Apatow film, you know, like right. uh, you know, it's it's it, or any comedian really wants to work on an Apatow film. Um so it's interesting to to watch this film I think coupled with maybe that that sort of characteristic thing that you are talking about which is the indulgence factor in his movies um which is, you know, something that people have been talking about uh you know, and especially in regards to length. Um, I'm not one to kind of complain about the length of a movie. You know, I love sitting through some, like, nine hours of uh, The People versus O.J. Simpson. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm quite comfortable with the films that feel very long or that are very long. But this is one where I, um, at, you know, as Stephen mentioned at the beginning of the, of the episode, uh, I ha- I needed to pause the film for a moment. And I was shocked when I paused it and realized I was at minute 37, uh, <laughs> believing that I was at a minute. I, and, and I legitimately, legitimately, Legitimately thought that I was at an hour and a half into this movie and was shocked to realize I was only at at minute thirty seven. Yeah. So if that gives you any impression of how I felt about the time in this movie, um, you know, it is it is I I don't like saying a film is long, but I think it's a languid film. Uh, It takes its time getting there. And the problem here is you want to say
0: it's long but with (laughs) the fancier word.
1: No, I want to say it's it's a film that's not as obsessed with time. You know, there's a great line in this movie that I wanted to quote which is that, you know, um time is not uh, time is moving ahead really fast and he, and and, uh, and Scott's character says that's why I smoke weed, it helps me slow things yeah, down. Yeah. And I, and this movie is like taking, you know, is is like smoking a lot Fair. of weed, you know, like yeah. it is it's time is slowing down. And um uh the the you know, I think The issue here is that there's a number of really interesting side plots that happen in this movie. Mm -hmm. For example, a pharmacy heist. Yeah. um, And characters surrounded by that pharmacy heist. But then the film sort of is uninterested in the consequences of that pharmacy heist, for example. And I think the most important thing that this film is invested in is the sort of counterbalanced man-child relationship between Scott's character and Bill Burr's character. You know, these are both two overgrown men having to find their way back into uh, the lives of the woman that they love, which is his mother played by Mercer Tomei. Um, And, and I think the thing here is, is that the film has heart despite me thinking that it's too long. And, um, and, and, and to be honest with you, pretty thinly written. Um, it does have a sincere heart at the center of it. And that heart is the reconciliation of Pete Davidson's inner life. You know, the character, you know, the, the what we understand of Pete Davidson, the the public persona and the reckoning that this film has to do with how to move on from your past. And I think that's, interesting and it ha- and it's sincere and it's true this is if this sounds at all like the uh like the sort of lukewarm responses that i had to both honey boy and the way back it's because it's, it's in the similar vein there which is that i think this works better as a vehicle for pete davidson than it does as a movie on its own terms
0: yeah i mean i don't again i i've sort of i pushed back a bit on those other two films <laughs> uh, at least with my initial read and enjoyment of them um this the, the interesting thing is there is a lot of heart here. Like yeah. uh, to be honest, my favorite scenes in this movie were when he's walking the kids to school. They I think those scenes are great. My issue is is that those
1: scenes ultimately don't really go anywhere for Pete Davidson's for for Scott's character. Other than just being one of the contributing factors to him sort of growing up.
0: Well, it, it does, because it, it weirdly enough, it's actually more of a uh, ability to... So so for, for you know, the, he's walking um, Ray's kids to school, because when Ray is uh, with, his, with his mother, they're trying to get him to have more responsibility, and he's always high, so they're not going to let the, him drive the kids to school. Um, so... It's through him gradually befriending these children the the children of the man who's now dating his mom whom he does not like um then Ray realizes that in in different ways because they've had a lot of clashes that uh Scott Pete's character also uh Pete's father's name um is not just 100% a hundred percent a burnout waste of space like there's like he starts talking to his kids about like how Scott was going to like help them learn how to draw, and like he's being responsible and picking the kids up, and the kids like him, and that sort of helps turn around Ray's character toward when it gets to the point of uh, him starting to show up at the fi- at Ray's firehouse and uh, doing it. So it doesn't it doesn't move the Scott character along specifically, but it opens up doors for the Scott character based on his intrinsic. Uh, I guess likableness or goodness in a certain way. Um, I, th-
1: I think you're right. To me, the issue is is that the relationship with the children doesn't go anywhere. It's the relation. It's what the relationship that he has with sure. the children does for his relationship with Bill Burr. I think that's fine. That you I, can have sort uh, of those connected it's just things. Somewhat, somewhat tangent. You know, it, and in a way, it kind of works in the same. To me, like it, it's 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 a little closer to what the film wants to do than the than the pharmacy heist. But, you know, the pharmacy heist thing kind of... Isn't that sort of like, this is a really cool story and it's really taking a lot of time here.
0: The pharmacy but... heist is dumb <laughs> as fuck. Like, it doesn't make sense with the rest of the film and it's not played for drama or comedy. And... You know what the problem with the pharmacy heist is? Is that should be the beginning of the movie.
1: Hmm. That should be, like like, to me... Like, we have this scene at the beginning of the movie where he, like, closes his eyes as he's on the freeway and, he, you know, he causes an accident and he's, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. And then it's only the th- in the middle of the the second act or probably the start of the third act that the pharmacy heist happens. And we don't really, you know, I think the idea, the implication is here that, you know, like he has been given a second chance to kind of move forward. Um, and, but, but instead, what's the big sort of inciting incident for this film is his sister leaving for college, Mm. um, as a, you know, and it just feels like the pharmacy heist feels like a little bit more of a. A big thing?
0: Well, actually, it's funny. There's two things that are like that actually affect him. It's his sister leaving for college, and yeah. it's not the pharmacy heist. It's, it's
1: the tattoo thing.
0: It, yeah. No, no. Well, that's the positive thing near the end. It's the fight, the physical fight he gets in with Ray, and then they get kicked out of uh, Marissa Tomei's
1: life. Oh no, no. Uh, in terms of inciting incidents, it's also him tattooing Bill, uh, Bill Bur- Ray's son. Oh
0: well, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's just. A, I thought that was really. That's a great scene. There's a thing in the beginning where this kid Harold. Uh, walks up to uh all of them there and scott wants to be a tattoo artist so he's like he's like hey kid want a tattoo and his friends are like what <laughs> and he just does it and then that's what actually introduces ray to um to uh to Tomei, Margie, we're gonna, we're gonna, yeah yeah um, the, but the, so yeah.
1: to me there's an interesting thing that happens here which is that a lot of the um th- there there is a lot of this film that seems to happen either off-screen or without real a real clear understanding of why things are happening. So you know, for example, uh, I guess you can kind of interpret this as insincere, uh, uh, insincere flirting. But you know, like uh, Ray continually says, "Nah, nah, he's a good kid." uh, when he's talking about Scott and I, and I was like, you know, it comes right after the, the sort of tattoo scene. And after they've decided to resolve that situation, I was like, what is this based upon? Like, it feels like is like the, 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 him saying he's a, you know, Scott's a good kid should happen after he realizes Scott has been helping his kid draw that thing. It's like,
0: well, it's the, I mean, before that moment, uh, Ray only is saying that to basically get in Margie's good graces. Yeah. And then and after it... that moment, he's doing it because he believes it.
1: Yeah, but it, it seems like, you know, and I guess some of the characters comment on this, that, like, you know, they, they sort of circle around his character and they he drives them crazy. Um, but but I was like, oh, what is... I guess at some point, films like this, the, the sort of man-child film... Uh-huh need to demonstrate to the audience that there is something that this character has that is worth, you know, worth, uh, vesting an interest in. And, and I'm not sure, I I have to be honest with you. I'm not sure what it was like. I think Pete Davidson as a performer is charming and he does carry his scenes well, but I'm not sure why, why the film thinks he should be the center of this story
0: uh i, I could sort of see that i think it's i think it's honestly the journey of finding um the, the it's funny the theme and the takeaway of this film that i finally got to and again it took too long to get there mm. is and this is a bit deeper and sort of off to the side and they don't actually really deal with it until very late in the film you never truly know your parents. And I say that because in the film, um, we're told that uh, Margioli tells Scott how his father was uh, a hero who never did anything wrong. And like, you know, it was just sort of like platitudes. Right. But then when he's eventually at the firehouse and again, we're deep into spoilers here, um, his his the, the firehouse guys who one of whom played by Steve Buscemi, who knew his father. Uh, start telling real stories and stories of the man who you know was not a saint and who was you know had both uh, wonderful and destructive qualities. Hmm. And I kind of wish this movie went more into that. There's a few scenes that deal with it, yeah. but again, they're few and far between, and they take a long time to get there because. That to me would would cement the character as the the reason for the season for the reason of this film, um, right. and I think this is something that's interesting that we've talked about in other biopics. <laughs> that's I don't the way you say that word. I know it is. <laughs> it always uh, gets me. I don't know. Like for instance, in Honey Boy and The Way Back, I think those films work on an emotional level while outside of knowing what those actors are going through in the real world. Yeah. I don't know and here's the thing in this one I didn't get that sense but I'm also clouded because I know him and I know the story like the story right. this is based on. So I don't know. I don't know. I, there's an interesting thing as well
1: which is that I was I was sort of wondering about because I you know I started thinking about like who you know Apatow himself has kind of cornered this market on being the 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 central key figure in american comedy today and you know he's he's that for a number of reasons not only his own films which are huge money makers yeah. that seem to have given him carte blanche to kind of pick and choose his projects which is unusual for comedy it's kind of it's elevated him away from you know your your stock standard um comedy you know like the the um the two guys who directed um horrible bosses for example you know it's, it's, there's a difference in 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 career that those two you know directors have and and i sort of wondered about how that happened and why that happened, and I think it, you know it has to do with the way his comedies resonate on a deeper level than just being dick and fart jokes. You know, they seem to have this sort of greater resonant quality to them. And this, to me, the thing that's interesting here is that this is him. Um, I, I didn't see his uh, Amy Schumer film uh, Trainwreck, but this, but this film. Kind of feels like it's less of a comedy and more of a, yeah. a drama with oh, funny elements in it, and that that's a balancing act that you know people like um, Hal Ashby uh, and James L. Brooks, you know, seem to sort of find uh, fine tune over their entire careers. And I think, you know, um, the thing that I thought was interesting about this is, um, how, maybe not unwilling, but how. Tipped the film is in dealing with Scott's neuroses and yeah and and and, and how tipped the film is in terms of like letting Scott do shitty things uh in the film you know like it, the, the the strangest one that I thought was that the, the shittiest thing that Scott does in this movie is go to Ray's ex-wife and find out dirt about him and then use it to tell yeah. um, Marissa, t- uh, you know, his mom about how terrible Ray is. We don't see that happen on screen. We only see the aftermath of it. Mm. and And I think the interesting thing there is, like, I kind of think the film should allow us to indulge in the shittiness of his character at times you know even if even if the film is really positing that he's not a shitty person but he does shitty things because you know he doesn't see the world the same way as as the rest of us does yeah. that's that's sort of something that like um, Noah Bombach does in Greta, you know, in, in the films that he made with Greta Gerwig. It's, it's something that Noah Bombach does his entire, you know, in all of his films, is like really allow and and let his characters be terrible, but but still have us invested in them. And I think this film doesn't really, it, it it there is a tippetness to this whole thing, and and it feels very, you know, soft hands on on this whole character, and and part of that just doesn't allow me to invest in whether i'm that interested in how this character is going to end up now i will say i still think the film has like a beating heart underneath it in terms of like the sincerity of the challenges that this character is facing both with his uh, his mental health and you know just the the idea of being a 24 year old millennial kind of like uh, trying to as he's always saying figure his shit out but i wasn't like and maybe this is just being out of that generation. Whenever he said, "I'm trying to figure shit out," I was like, "How? How are you trying to figure your shit out? What are you doing to figure your shit out?" I think that's and, the point, though. And 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 it's not that I'm trying to like judge that. I'm just trying to say what is the film sort of positing about that idea. Um, and it's 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 there's a like yeah there's a sort of softness to to what this film was willing to do, coupled with it is long um you know it is it is a film that is that takes its time um and goes not very far and 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 i think you know in the hands of someone like richard linklater that sort of languid you know meandering approach can be really beautiful because it is about the hangout i didn't feel like this was about the hangout and i wasn't exactly sure what this was Sure. getting at sure you know
0: i actually wrote in my notes uh you know just going back to the character of scott's sort of uh consistent like i'm trying to figure my shit out or like whatever i actually wrote in my notes at some point i was just like this is this is the king of gaslighting <laughs> i was like because you know it's it's the and there's reasons that the film hints at why scott does these things or why scott is the way scott is uh, but, like, consistently, he's, until near the end when he sort of learns... When he finally gets a little bit of closure, if ever such a thing exists, with stories of his father and sort of learning, you know, parents are human and not ideals and, like, you know, the and even when his mom sort of moves forward a little bit, changing the inside of their apartment, etc., or their house, uh, only then do we get the sort of catharsis of the character of scott right and it's a little bit late in the tooth and uh yeah that's right i used that phrase wrong um <laughs> but i just i i think i think the gaslighting and these saying well i'm just figuring my shit out and then not doing anything is the actual point like mm. um now again is that effective in the length of which it's shown I don't think it is a hundred percent for me, and again, it's hard for me to uh, sort of separate myself in this in this specific biopic film. Uh, but oh, but you should
1: but 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 I'm I'm gathering that you are lukewarm on the film. Oh yeah, no no, I said it's fine,
0: <laughs> it's fine. Um, I I think if you like Pete Davidson, <laughs> as I do, you will watch it and enjoy yourself. Uh, I don't think that it's what I wanted from this movie. Was it to be something that I could go to uh, you here and and everyone that listens to this show and all of my friends and be like, oh, man, like you need to watch this. And I, I, I don't feel that way. I mean, again, I've it's funny, especially coming off of the five bloods. Like Mm -hmm. I've told so many fucking people to watch that movie at this point. Because right. it like it, that movie got me hyped. That movie <laughs> got me to where I believe the 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 project, the what was the, the it, Crawl and hype project? The Crawl and hype the, would it Project. would be the Crawl
1: duh, Five Bloods. Yeah, hype project. Uh,
0: that's where it, that I, I, I think that's, that should be the goal of of <laughs> that of that specific movement. Uh, but this <laughs> one this one didn't, um, despite yeah. me very much wanting it to, because I like everybody involved in this movie. Um, I also hope – I would really like to see Pete in something where he's not playing something so close to him. Right. Uh, Yeah,
1: and and this is the challenge of doing this film at at a sort of early stage in your career because – you know, for example, for Shia LaBeouf and Ben Affleck, they've played a number of characters. So this doing that at this point doesn't distract from the idea that these these are actors that could do kind of a lot of things. Yeah. At this stage, I watch this and I go, well, what is Pete going to do? Beyond? Like, he needs to do something that is not this at all um, at this point in order to, to kind of, you yeah. know, to like solidify himself as a movie star.
0: You know what I thought about? Yeah. Pete could be... Pete in in his current career feels a lot like Seth Rogen when they made Knocked Up. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, not so, in not in style or tone, but sort of in um, yeah. Uh, youthful exuberance and also yeah. stoner energy, right? Like, I, if they remade Knocked Up today, you could yeah. cast Pete Davidson, and it would be a different film, of course. That the energy is yeah. different, but like. I want to see Pete Davidson in a comedy in a in a straight up comedy. in a comedy. straight up comedy not a uh, a drama with with funny moments in it right uh and I was thinking about that with with Apatow's sort of uh other works I was like <laughs> the i I kind of wished I didn't think that's what this was gonna be but i I kind of yeah. wish uh I hope I get to see that um yeah
1: but yeah There's an interesting thing as well in terms of, so again, and I don't want to like, I, the two things I'm going to sort of talk about here are, are they're not nitpicky, but they're things that sort of inherently I find, you know, sort of just uh, things to be uh, cognizant of in terms of how this film deals with it's both its aesthetic and its auditory aesthetics. Um, Is that, is that, it's surprising. Like this movie is shot by Robert Elswit, who is the cinematographer of uh, There Will Be Blood um, really? and uh, uh, Velvet, you know, and Punch Drunk Love and Magnolia, you know. And he is. Uh, and if you've ever seen uh, the show he shot recently called The Night of, which was on HBO yep. recently, that is a like that is like one of the most beautiful looking shows I think I've ever seen in my life. Um, and you know, Robert Ellsworth is like one of the great working cinematographers today. And he was brought on this film to sort of give Staten Island a unique aesthetic. And I didn't really see anything in the aesthetic that was displayed, you know, that was brought to life here that suggested that this was in any way visually elevated, Um, this felt very much like an Apatow vehicle. There's a funny meme that's been going around recently uh, on YouTube where people are posting up, this film was shot by the same same person. they will show like a really shitty film and a a really gorgeous film. And I think, you know, like there is something to the way that uh, cinematographers need to work under the umbrella of a director in order to find their visual aesthetic. But this film is quite an ordinary looking
0: movie. You know what's funny (laughs) about that? Yeah. So this guy who has done phenomenal-looking stuff, I yep. bet you like, d- did what a good cinematographer is supposed to do, looked at the source material and decided what was sort of best for the story that they were hired to present. Yeah, I'm sure. I, and the interesting thing here is, like, and, and it's funny because, okay, this is going to be a roundabout thought. I'm going to get through it as quick as I can. The story is supposed to be mundane in a mundane place. Right. So they wanted to, I, I'm sure the cinematographer wanted to show the mundanity of Staten Island as it is in the film. Okay? But if you're going to choose to do that, not the cinematographer, just the film in general, either if that was Judd Apatow's choice or, like, whatever, I guess it was, then you have to counterbalance that with things like comedy or other things that, like, sort of counterbalance that. For instance, again, I go to, like, Knocked Up. Knocked Up isn't a impressive-looking movie, but it that's not where it puts its stat points, right? Like yeah. so like if you're going to do that, I think it's interesting because I'm sure he thought long and hard about what this film should look like. But the best choice for what he was told the film was going to do is to make it mundane.
1: Well, I yeah, and it's just it's an unusual choice in cinematographer to bring in um and to have them turn out this because he is you know he's an elevated cinema you know he's a filmmaker uh who brings in gorgeous images and and you know like I know like you say it you a great cinematographer's job is to work under the director and find the you know help help the director find their voice but it is a there's an unusual sort of you know, just think about the fact that it's Robert Ellsworth for me because sure. you know, I knew that I knew that he was the cinematographer before watching this and I was like, Oh, so I'm really curious what Staten Island looks like through this lens. And it looks pretty ordinary. I, yeah, um, I'm <laughs>
0: agreeing with you. I just I uh, and I think about that too. I think it's very odd. I was just trying to parse it like yeah for myself. And and if
1: you compare that to Honey Boy where Natasha Breyer was the cinematographer, the look of LA, you know, again, L you know, the sort of ordinary LA yeah. In that film is pretty gorgeous and pretty extraordinary looking. Uh, the second is this the audio, the 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 music in the film, and and there was a sort of this thing where you know, look, there's there's just a lot of needle drops in this movie in terms of like songs that are playing you know current contemporary hip hop songs we got montages yeah lots of wicked montages uh, which feels very much in the world of what the character would be listening to but then at one moment there's a a sort of orchestral version of Red Hot Chili Peppers Scar Tissue that plays in the middle of this and it's in Congress, with the rest of the movie, it's 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 a it's a moment when they're where he, Scott is taking the kids to school, and you know they play this sort of playful uh, orchestral version of Scar Tissue. Yeah, I had to, I and I did like I was pausing at the end there, and I was going, "Wait a minute!" And I was like, "Da da da, da, da the youngest up girl, in the push up," because I was trying to just remember yeah. the song because it's yeah, just yeah, playing yeah. Uh, uh, instrumentally. Um, and and I just was like, I guess what's missing from this film is the sort of both the aesthetic and narrative bite to make this feel unique and it's it's missing it's missing that not just in the you know in the storyline as we've kind of you know pointed to the fact that this it doesn't really engage very much in like the the extremities of this character it also is aesthetically um somewhat tepid in in its approach and and pretty bland despite having the sort of you know i am guessing at this point apatow commands a kind of respect that that means he can do interesting things if he chooses to but this film doesn't feel that interesting yeah. um and and i i sort of just you know again i i think about who are the great contemporary american comedy filmmakers and you know the name that comes to mind is wes anderson you know like wes anderson is the great american comedy filmmaker who's who's who like apatow goes back to the well every time of of things that he's interested in but there is a bite and a uniqueness that make that okay and make that worth uh checking out no matter what it is he's doing even if he is repeating himself um and this film just doesn't have that bite to it you yeah. know like it, it it's and like you said it's hard to it's hard to recommend it uh on those terms you know like it, it, you know in terms of watching something that's worth your time and effort and money especially you know forking out 20 bucks to watch this thing at home on a rental um I yeah I'm I'm I, I I think it has heart I think everyone there's a sincerity to it but I I'm not with it you know like in terms of delivering something that's worth sitting up and taking you know paying attention to
0: yeah and I <laughs> All of that is to say, I, I think that sort of furthers my difficulty in what and how I'm looking at this. Mm-hmm. Like, at the end of the movie, when, and again, spoiler, 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 when he's uh, with... Um, Kelsey. Yeah. Which is
1: also, uh, I guess, a, a narrative resolve that I wasn't really feeling.
0: <laughs> well, I wasn't expecting that to be the thing, but... yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm more thought that the reconciliation would be about the father and the firehouse and yeah. and and Roy, but I liked the ending because it's the first time in the movie that he does something for another human being, specifically because he 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 cares about that human being. Right. And that's a far place the character went from the beginning, and. It does end on a hopeful tinge. And I and I, I like that. Uh but but getting there was a bit long in the tooth for, for my taste. Um yeah. so yeah. <laughs> I guess this has been the only movie podcast about the King of Staten Island.
1: Oh, have we been crowned the king and queen of Staten Island now? No, have you been to we,
0: Staten I, Island much? I've driven through Staten Island. It's it's a <laughs> wormhole to get to 6 flags before the coronavirus for me.
1: <laughs> I've I've actually only taken the ferry and well, I've taken the ferry, I guess. Yeah, and hung out around the terminal on that side. I have nothing, but I have against, not actually ventured far into. I have Staten nothing
0: Island. against Staten Island. I've just never been there. Um, hey man, no. Wu
1: Tang, the Wu Tang, you know, like like Staten Island gave us the Wu Tang Clan. That's so, true, and and so
0: much respect. I think that um, the look, I came from a, I came from a mundane place myself, uh, <laughs> so I can relate. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. I think I'm glad it exists. I love that it's a like a borough in New York City. Because yeah. it just feels weird that it is, but I'm like, yeah, it's, this is the, this it's definitely the de
1: fifth borough. Like it's in terms of like the one that people talk about, right? Like it's like it goes, it definitely goes Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens, the Bronx, Staten Island, it, right? Like Staten Island is always the last. Staten Island is
0: always the last. The other four, you get can shown. you
1: can you can mix up the other four however you want to, how whatever it is you're interested in. Oh, but Staten was, Island is always usually the last
0: one. Oh of my God, there was a quote. <laughs> I wish I wrote it down. It was like uh, we're the oh yeah yeah we're the, like the only place Jersey looks down on. <laughs> <laughs> and no disrespect to Staten
1: Island, I'm just saying no. like as but, far as uh, all our Staten Island listeners are going to be emailing. Us I there. love
0: I, there's a lot of great quotes in this movie too. Like, when they're watching the movie in the basement, like the purge isn't enough for you. <laughs> uh, um, or, it, yeah. I will say it
1: it it took me the the line i quoted which is you look like an anorexic panda is the first line i actually chuckled at oh. and you know like up until that point i was pretty quiet throughout the entire movie i liked
0: i liked i'm sorry about that guy he has nepotism and they're like is that a medical condition and they think yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> anyway um, uh shahir yeah. when you are not crowning yourself the king and or queen of a borough you've barely been to where can <laughs> folks find you I am the I'm I am, I am
1: uh, uh, the king of queens. I am the king of queens. What what is that actor's name? Paul. Uh, what is his name? You know the guy. Kevin James. Kevin James. I am Kevin James in this bitch. Uh, you can find me uh, 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 crowned uh, upon my throne uh, uh, at my website www. That's S H A H I R D A D. Matt, when you are deflecting paintballs from Pete Davidson, where can people find you?
0: Uh, Pete could. Can- Find me on all my social... I, I wish I still talked to Pete. I like Pete a lot, uh, but I hope he's doing well. I hope this movie's doing well for him. You can find me uh, begging Pete Davidson to talk to me once again over at uh, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four p P-R-E-Z on Instagram or Emperor M S K on Twitter. Uh, you can also check out all the good works we are doing at Extra Credits. We will, at the time of this dropping be having uh oh we just did something on the trolley problem which is very very fun and we are continuing here uh the extra history tale of exploring the pacific in fact we just um uh did uh the some at the beginning of episode 3 which will be out i think in 2 weeks when this airs uh we did the creation myth of new zealand
1: oh Ma- you talked about maui and the uh, the fish hook yeah, oh, yeah that well
0: that's part of it there's a bunch of them
1: yeah, yeah yeah there is a there's a lot of great uh mythology around uh how New Zealand came actually I, I don't uh I don't have my uh I have a necklace, which is Maui's hook nice. uh, somewhere, which I, which you're supposed to always wear because it's meant to like symbolize you can always come home. Sure. Um, because the, the famous myth around Maui is that he fished up the North Island for uh-huh. the South Island. Um, but unfortunately, I think I have lost that. <laughs> so I'm, well, I'm, you can uh, never I'm go home sh- again. I but can it- never go. Well, and right now, I don't think they would let us in, yeah.
0: uh, to be honest with you. But um, apparently, you can shop there. Yeah. Um, anyway... Mm-hmm. We'll be doing um. What's our, Oh, we know what we're doing next time.
1: As long as we can pull it together, I'm hoping that we review Miss Juneteenth coming up. So to, uh, mark that in your VOD calendars and get get that rented. Yes. Uh. Um. And you know, we still got this long gestating Lord of the Rings thing. We're also both of us are going to be taking short breaks right now. Uh, but you know, we won't like, take uh, breaks from you. Oh, uh, well, you know. Uh, every day is a holiday when I'm with you, buddy. Oh um. no, uh,
0: well, yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna be doing some interesting choices coming up. Uh, I, I, you know, there's been talks. There's been talks of. Um, you know, I won't say the name, but mm. I'll just go. Nah, 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 na-na, nah, 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 Check out a Key and
1: Peele sketch if you can. <laughs>
0: I'm out of here. Bye.
1: Bye, everyone. <laughs>